0: There are days and events in your life you'll never forget where you were when they happened. So for one generation, it's when President Kennedy was assassinated. You could tell me exactly where you were when you heard the news. For my generation, it's 9-11. We know what we were doing that day. We know exactly where we were. We know what our plans were for that day had tragedy not struck. And there are these memories like that that are so seared into our minds that just... A familiar smell or a particular sound or seeing somebody or uh, some words, a phrase, they will take us right back to that moment. We'll remember it and relive it like it was yesterday. It's not just for tragic things. That happens for fun and exciting memories too. So when I go to a wedding, I flashback, I think back to my wedding and I imagine the church, I can picture the church and I can hear the people that are there and I can picture my bride. And when I hear vows being said, I remember saying my vows and how I cried through them like a small child the entire time because I was excited, by the way. Not because it was a bad thing, because I was really excited. And there's just these moments that are so lodged in our brain that we can go right back there. We, we hear something, we smell something, we see something, and we flash back and relive that moment. So Jesus, right before he ascends to heaven, this is the last time we'll see him on earth. He has died, he has risen, and he is going to sit on his throne next to the Father. But he does this thing where he causes us to flash back. He speaks these words that take us back in time. And these words, the disciples will hear him speak these words, and they'll immediately go back to the first time they heard him. It was the day that he recruited them. Familiar words. And his ministry, Jesus' ministry on earth, is going to end in the same place that it began. And it's going to end with the same words that it started with. Words that the disciples hear in their mind every day. And words that are meant to be etched on your soul and mine for all time. Never to be forgotten, Jesus says two simple words. Follow me. We're going to look at those two words, follow me, Today. So if you got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on, go to John chapter 21. If you're joining us online, run and grab a Bible, John chapter 21, John's in the New Testament. John finishes his gospel. He writes chapter 21 in such a way that we would flash back to the beginning. The similarities between the day Jesus began his ministry and this day in John 21, those similarities are not an accident. Jesus meets a guy named Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, just like he did three years earlier. The, the disciples are, are fishing, and Jesus will tell them exactly where to drop their nets, just like he did three years earlier. They'll haul in so many fish, they don't know what to do with them, just like they did three years earlier. And Jesus will speak the same words as he did three years ago. What I love about this scene is for the first time, maybe in a while, there's no crowd. There's not people clamoring for their time, pushing in on them. There's no miracles. There's no sermon. It's just Jesus and the guys. It's just Jesus and his disciples, specifically Jesus and Peter. And these words will echo through Peter's mind because they're the same words as three years earlier. On that day, Mark records it this way. That it all started here. Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and he saw Peter and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. And Jesus said, come, follow me. So three years earlier, he met a guy named Peter on the shoreline and he offered an invitation. Come, follow me. Peter didn't know all that that entailed at the time. He really couldn't. He just knew that there's something about this Jesus guy he really liked he didn't know that they'd be famous. He didn't know that he'd walk on water. He didn't know that he'd see a dead Lazarus come back to life. There's no way he could know that he'd watch Jesus hang on a cross or that he would run fearing that he would be next. He didn't know any of that. He just knew there's something so magnetic about this guy. I like him. Jesus says, come and follow me. And at the time when Jesus says that, what he really means when he says, follow me, is come and see. Peter, just come and see. Just come hang out for a little while. See what I'm all about. Listen to the things that I say. See if it makes sense to you. Just come for a day or two and check it out. And so Peter did. He followed Jesus that day and he'd been following him for three years. And they're back on the same beach where it all started. And he's in his mind. He's flashing back to that day. Jesus has another invitation. Here's how John records it in John chapter 21. Jesus says to Peter, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. I imagine those words. When Jesus speaks those words, Peter goes back to that day. It's like a sound or a smell that that takes you back to your childhood that reminds you of a specific day. It's the same words. It's the same invitation. Jesus says, same thing he said three years earlier. He says, follow me. But this time it's a little different. Before when he said, follow me, he meant come and see. Now when he says, follow me, he means come and die. That's what he's just told him. Peter, you're going to die for me. Now, could Jesus have said that the first day? Of course not. There's no way Peter would have gone with him if he did. But over the last three years, Jesus has been building a relationship. He's been building a track record with Peter so that one day when he says, Peter, you're going to die for me. Peter wouldn't freak out. He could trust Jesus. And so Jesus says, Peter, follow me. And really, if we look at the words there, probably the better way, probably the better translation of this isn't follow me. It's probably keep following. It's really what he's asking of Peter. Would you keep following me? It's not that initial move. Peter's salvation is not in question here. That's secure in Christ. What Jesus is asking is, would you keep following me? Would you keep coming, Peter? Would you come a little bit closer? You've been doing it for three years, buddy. You've trusted me all this time. Would you continue to trust me? Would you keep coming? It's sort of like Jesus is inviting him into kind of a recommitment, kind of an opportunity for Peter to say, yes, I'm going to keep going. Yes, I will keep following you. Jesus, keep following me, Peter. Keep coming. We'll talk more about that. Peter, uh, verse 20, Peter turns. Jesus says, follow me. Watch this. Peter turned and he saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? Who's John talking about? We think he's talking about himself. Likely he's the disciple he's talking about, when Peter saw him, when Peter saw this disciple, he asked, Lord, what about him? So notice Jesus invites Peter to follow him. Come on, Peter, come after me. And Peter goes, what about Jesus? What about him? What about John? Are you like me? Do you find yourself comparing To other people a lot. You look at other people and you see what they've got going on, you kind of compare yourself and you go, God, they got something really cool going on. Why did you, why did you give that to them? God, she's got like this great, this like dream job. God, he's got the perfect family. God, it seems like they have like this the perfect marriage. Why did you give it to them? Do you maybe even find, do we even compare ourselves in our commitment to Jesus? With other people, you look at someone and you go, whoa, they're really serious about Jesus. Like, I I don't know that I'll ever be like that. And then let's be honest, you look in the other direction, you go, I'm better than that guy. I'm following (laughs) more than him, so I should be good, right, Jesus? Don't we compare ourselves so much? Here's how powerful comparison is. Jesus has just told Peter, Peter, you're going to die for me. In fact, you're going to be crucified, horrible, painful death, and Peter doesn't even flinch. He doesn't even bat an eye at this. Instead, what he's concerned about is, what about John? Does John have to die for you? It's not fair that I have to die for you if John doesn't have to die for you. Like, this is what he cares about. No, you're going to die. Did you hear me? Yeah, what about John. And it's just so funny how destructive and powerful comparison can be. Verse 22, Jesus answers Peter. He says, Peter, if I want him, if I want John to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Jesus goes, knock it off. Just, just knock it off. And we're so we're so fast to compare. Well, this person has this and they have this. And why, Jesus, why did you give them this? And why do you let them do this? And Jesus goes, why is it any of your business what I give to other people, what I ask other people to do? Why do we compare ourselves with others? I mean, maybe, I guess in some instances it's to make ourselves feel better. We go, at least I'm not that guy, right? But isn't it more often that when you compare yourself to someone else, you end up feeling lousy? Don't you end up going like they have something. That, that I don't, that I wish that I had. And Jesus is like, stop it with that. Peter's going, I don't want to die if John doesn't have to die. And Jesus goes, all right, listen, listen Peter, if I could really pull back the curtain for you, you want to know what John's going to have to walk through? Not that it's any of your business. John's going to die alone. Yeah, he's not going to be martyred for the gospel. No, he's going to be rejected by the people who he thinks love him. He's going to die alone as a prisoner, sick and old on an island, all by himself. How about that, Peter? You want that journey? It's just interesting. We only see the outside. We compare ourselves to the outside of what people are going through, right? So there's this great quote. I'm going to mess it up, but it goes something like, we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. We know our brokenness, and we see that side of it, and we only see the polish of everyone else, and we compare, and Jesus goes, knock it off with that. Stop with the comparison stuff. It's so pointless. Peter, what is it to you? Why is it any of your business? You, Peter, you need to worry about you. You don't worry about John. You worry about you. And it just feels to me like a good reminder as we're gonna pull at this idea of follow me. We're gonna pull at this thread of Jesus saying, Follow me, you follow me. Remember that when we get to this comparison stuff, Jesus goes, Knock it off with that. You worry about you. Watch his response here. This is where it gets really good. Verse 22 He says to Peter, You must follow me. I don't want you to miss this. You must follow me. You must follow me. You must follow me. It's incredibly personal. It's very direct to Peter. You, Peter. What about John? You, Peter. You must follow me. Leave that up. We'll come back to that. Finish the story. Verse 23. It says, because of this, because of what Jesus had said, there was a rumor that spread among the believers that this disciple, that John would not die, But Jesus didn't say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Apparently there was a rumor that went around because of what Jesus had said that people were like, John's going to live forever. That's, of course, not what Jesus said. Go back to these words that he speaks. You, you must follow Jesus me. And it flashes us back to that first time on the beach where Jesus is talking to Peter. And it's like, Peter, no one else around, buddy. It's just you and me. Don't turn around. Don't see what Andrew's doing. Don't look at what John and James are doing. Don't even worry about that. You, Peter, are you going to follow me? And here's what I love about this. Just like Peter, there is a moment for each of us where Jesus says the same thing. Are you? Are you going to follow me? Don't worry about what your friends do. Don't worry about what your spouse is going to do. Don't worry about your kids right now. This isn't about your parents' religion or your parents' tradition. This is just about you. Peter turns around and starts, no, Peter, no. This is about you and me. Jesus is like, just us. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about what's going on. You, Peter. Are you going to follow me? And he asks the same question of you and of me. Jesus says, are you going to follow me? Don't overcomplicate this. You know what it means to follow someone. It means to go behind them. It means to let them lead. It means to to follow in their footsteps, to go where, where, where they've gone. And Jesus is going, are you going to go where I've gone? Are you going to live and love like, like I lived? Are you going to believe like I believed? Are you going to serve people like I served? Are you going to sacrifice for people like I do? Are you going to keep to God's word? Are you going to adhere to the scriptures like I did? I mean, in John 8, Jesus says, if you, do you want to know whether or not you're really one of my disciples? Keep my commands. It's like, are you going to do the things that I've asked you to do? Are you going to follow me? You know what it is to follow someone. It's to let them lead the way. It's to go after them. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to live and love like Jesus? And you can't overstate how personal this is. That Jesus is not going, hey, you want to join my religion? You want to be a part of, of my club? No, he's asking us individually. Will you follow me? I mean, even as a church family, we can't answer this question. We could go, faith church, are we going to live and love like Jesus? And you would be like, yeah, no, that's not the point. It's not a corporate question. It's an individual question. Are you going to follow me? Will you live and love like me? Let me show you how personal this really is. Uh, The Apostle Paul paints a picture for us about how this is an individual decision to follow Jesus to come after Jesus, to live like Jesus. And again, this isn't about salvation. For Peter, that's secure in Christ. This is about living and loving like Jesus. But Paul gives us a picture of how individual our response is, a picture of the future. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us, you, me, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So by faith in Christ, if you have put your faith in Christ, when we die, we're ushered into the presence of God. And there's this moment that I will stand, you will stand before Jesus. I will stand before Jesus all by myself. You know what it's like to stand in front of somebody that you admire and they, and you respect them, a parent, a teacher, a boss, something like that. And they ask you, did you do what I asked you to do? Right? You you, want to make them proud. So I'll stand before Jesus by myself someday, just me and Jesus. And I love him so much and I want to make him proud. And in that moment, here's the thing. I don't get my mom. I don't get my dad, I don't get my wife, I don't get a friend, I don't get a priest standing next to me. It's just me and Jesus. And in that moment, I will have either followed Jesus or I will have rejected Jesus. And no one else is on the hook for that but me And you could hear that. You could hear that as a threat. You could hear that as something scary. Oh, you're going to stand before Jesus one day. But it's not meant to be that. It's meant to be an invitation because when Jesus says, follow me, what's he really saying? He's saying, let me lead you. It's not scary at all. He's saying, you know what? Let me go in front of you. Let me make sure that the way is safe. Let me plot out the direction we're going to go. Let me lead you. I'll be right in front of you. Let me guide you. It's not intended to threaten us. It's not intended to be, to be scary. He's inviting us, but we have to answer the question. Will you follow him? Or will you reject him? And just go, you know, Jesus, I kind of want to do my own thing. I've heard what you say, but I don't want to make that kind of commitment because I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be led by anybody. I want to be led by me. I want to have my own ability to make choices that I want to make. No one can decide that for you. Will you follow him? Oh, and one more thing about this you should know is you can't fool him. You just can't fool Jesus. You can't do religious stuff and spiritual stuff. You can't go through the emotions and impress everybody around. That won't work on Jesus because he knows your heart. So if you're just like kind of faking your way through this thing, like he knows it. He knows all the good and all the bad and we can't trick him. One of my favorite stories Jesus tells in Luke 18, you can turn there if you want, but you don't have to, I'll read it to you. Luke 18, one of my favorite stories, Jesus tells a parable about, basically he's saying, you can't fool me. Watch this, Luke 18. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, he says this, tells a parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, religious dude, the other a tax collector, sinner, bad guy. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. Jesus says the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You can't fool him. He knows if you're just doing religious stuff, spiritual stuff to impress people and there's gonna be a moment where we stand with Jesus and we're stripped bare of all the religious stuff. It's gone and it's just you and Jesus in this moment, face to face. No one else is there. It doesn't matter what anyone else decides and he's gonna go, did you follow me? And you look around, he goes, no, no, this isn't about anybody else. This is about you. Did you follow me? Not did your parents follow me? Not did your husband or wife follow me? Not did you drop your kids off at church to make sure they got that good Christian education? No, 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 all that stuff. It's good. It's fine. But you, did you follow me? And again, it's not a threat. It's Jesus going, come on. It's an invitation to stop comparing yourself to other people, to stop looking around, to stop doing religious stuff that you think you're supposed to do and to just let Jesus lead you and all you have to do is follow. So what do we do with this? Well, I think we kind of ask ourselves the same question. We prepare ourselves the same question Jesus is going to ask us. We ask ourselves, am I following Jesus? Jesus, am I following Jesus? Here's the thing about following Jesus. Following Jesus, we think about it as a religion, but following Jesus is not about what you're following. It's not about how. It's not about these steps. It's not about I have to do this and this and this and this and this. Following Jesus is only about this. Who? Who am I following? Am I following myself? Am I following my friends? Am I following what the world tells me to do or am I following Jesus? Maybe a better way to ask the question, if I turned it a little bit, maybe a better way. Are there areas in your life that you could follow Jesus more closely? I mean, sure, you're doing some Jesus stuff. Right, you're following him in some areas, right? You go, man, I'm, I'm reading my Bible and I'm going to small group and I'm telling people about Jesus and I'm being kind and I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm, I'm giving to the needy and, and, and all that. Like, good, great. But are there areas, are there other areas you need to follow him more closely? See, I've been wrestling with this question for a while now, not just for today, but just maybe for weeks, maybe months. I've been a really bad father lately, like I just have. I have three little kids. I've been a terrible dad. I've been short with them. I've snapped at them. I've been arrogant towards them. I've been harsh towards them. And more often than not, I find myself going to bed at night regretting the way that I've acted, regretting something that I've said or done or just the way that I've said something to my kids. And I've told myself time and again, this is the last time you yell at your son. This is the last time you snap at one of your daughters. Tomorrow we're going to do better. And it's not working. I find myself stuck in the same patterns over and over again. It's an area of my life I need to follow Jesus more closely. I need to fall on my knees and go, Jesus, would you lead me? Because Jesus, you're patient and I'm not. And you're gentle and I'm not. And Jesus, you're humble and you serve people. And I'm arrogant and make demands of my kids and I don't know how to stop. Jesus, would you, would you lead me into a better way of doing this? Because this isn't working. Do you have some ways that you need to follow Jesus more closely? How about your anger? How about your gossip? How about your anxiety? See, it's just you and Jesus. Nobody else, it's just you and Jesus. There's no pretending. You can't fool him. The invitation is to come closer, it's not threatening. It's an an invitation. Oh, you're angry all the time? Come on, follow me. Come a little bit closer, Jesus says. You have a foul mouth? Follow me. You're a gossip, you're addicted to pornography. Follow me. Let me show you the way. You're not spending time with God. I'm not reading my Bible. I haven't been spending time talking with him. He goes, Okay, follow me. When it's just you and Jesus, real honest, no pretending, the people around you that just, they're not there. It's just you and Jesus. You can't fool him. Are there areas in your life that you need to follow him more closely? You need to follow his lead. Because, guys, here's the thing for some of us, Like, it's time. It's it's just time. It's time to start letting Jesus lead. You've been angry for too long. It's time to follow Jesus. You've been addicted to pornography for too long. You keep saying this is the last time. It's time to try a better way. You've been a liar and a gossip for too long. It's time to follow Jesus' lead. It's just time. I need to ask Jesus for help to be a better dad. Not tomorrow, not next week, not this school, not this summer when they're out of school and and we have a little more time to breathe, a little more time to spend. No, no, not acceptable. Today, I need to ask Jesus, it's time today. Jesus, would you lead me? There are areas of your life that you need to start following Jesus's lead and stop following your own. To let Jesus lead you, to stop pretending that you have it all together. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop acting like it's religious stuff that's going to save you, that's going to fix you. Stop pretending that you can fix yourself. If you could, you would have by now. If you could stop gossiping, if you could stop looking at pornography, if you could stop lying, if you could stop being angry on your own, you would have already done it. You can't. It's time to say, Jesus, would you lead me? It's time to follow him. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. It's you and Jesus and follow him. Watch how John finishes his gospel. Knowing how hard it is to follow Jesus, to let him lead, he finishes his gospel this way, verse 25, he writes, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, well, I suppose that even the whole world wouldn't have enough room for the books that would be written Jesus is so great that all the libraries in the world couldn't contain his greatness. Yes, it's going to be hard to follow him, but it's worth it. For the day that you stand before him face to face and you say, Yeah, I followed you. It wasn't easy, but I followed you. Church family, stay humble, be flexible. Keep following Jesus. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you though, if you're able to stand for a minute. And I'm going to ask if you would close your eyes. Bow your head and close your eyes. And if you go, hey, I'm not a church person. I don't, I don't pray. That's fine. Could you close your eyes anyways, just out of respect for people around you? See, here's the deal. For some of us, it's time today time to start letting jesus lead we've tried to do it our own way for long enough and it's it's not working and it's time you've been angry for too long you've been a gossip for too long you've let your anxiety control you for too long you've been an unfaithful spouse for too long. Sure, maybe you haven't crossed that line, but it's inappropriate the way you've acted, the way you've talked. It's time, church family, today to say, Jesus, we want to follow you. Jesus, I want you to lead the way. Maybe, maybe that's you. Talk to him. Surrender that to him. Maybe right now you lift your hands in the air and you say, Jesus, I'm surrendering this to you. I wanna follow you right now. Maybe you're watching from your living room, joining us online and you kneel before Jesus and you say, I wanna follow you. I haven't been following you in ways that I should. I wanna follow you more closely. I'm raising my hands to you now to say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, lead me. God, thanks that you lead us. Thanks that you're gentle and you're patient with us. And when we try and do things our own way, you don't write us off, you don't throw us out. You say, just follow me. Let me show you a better way. God, you know our struggles, you know our desires, you know every thought in this room, in the chapel, online, you know, you know every cry of our heart, of each individual heart. You know it all. There's no fooling you. You know all the ways that we need to follow you more closely. God, I confess that I've been a bad father. I confess that I've been harsh with my children. I repent of the ways and times that I've yelled at them, that I've mistreated them. You gave me these children, you trusted me with them and I've been arrogant towards them. Lead me God. Help each one of us to follow you Jesus, to surrender before you, to say, I can't do it on my own, I've tried. So here I am, God. I got nothing. Would you lead me? Help us to be humble, to follow you, Jesus. Help us to be flexible. Your plans are different than ours, but if we will follow you, the road ahead is safe and it's good. And there's healing. God, beginning today, help us to live in a way that we imagine, that we pursue, that we live for that day where we will see you face to face and we can answer, yes, I followed you. It was really hard, Jesus, and some days I failed. But yes, Lord, I followed you. God, thanks that you love us. We stand before you because you're holy and you're good and you deserve all of our praise. Thank you for giving Jesus life. Giving us life through Jesus. Help us to follow Him, God. Through Christ I pray. Amen.